Luke Byron, Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper. It's the Spitballing Pod. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. You know we've been fighting for one and still fighting to this day. To this day. Aguero! Surprise, motherfuckers. Back out to Allen. History pointer. Bang! I'll take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Listen, I ain't going to forget about this by the time we hit the motorway. Some might be. Welcome to episode 129 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, today joined by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper and Alex Jones. We've got a full squad back in the house for the first time in weeks between Alex's uh, work in inverted commas, Jack snoozing through an episode and uh, all sorts going on. We are all back. So if you haven't listened to what we've just done, we have just drawn our teams to be covered for the new season as we come in. We're going to be starting each episode with getting into those teams, some more interested than others. Uh, Syria, we've got uh, myself with Fiorentina, TK with Roma, Jack with Genoa, Alex with Torino. For La Liga, we've got uh, myself with Mallorca, TK with Levante, Jack with... Who did Jack have? I've got Mallorca down. Let me just have a look, one second. Granada. That's it. Jack's got Granada. How could you forget? Yeah. <laughs> and Alex got Celta Vigo, so we've got a relegation scrap going on between us there. And then in the Bundesliga, Jack has drawn the opposite of the team that he wanted in getting a uh, Bayern Munich. Yeah. I've got her for Berlin. Alex has got Mainz, and TK has got Borussia Mönchengladbach. So that's a mouthful for any podcast. Instant reactions, everyone happy with their teams? No. <laughs> I I really wanted a team in the Bundesliga to get it, my teeth into and Bayern is so widely <laughs> covered it's almost like my job's done for me so I guess it's a bless, both a I blessing mean, it'd be interesting to see how they're going to replace if, Robin, Robin and Ribery and if I Coleman can, or what else they I can check with the others if, you're, if we're not happy with Bayern the best team in the league being picked by a person we can do a redraw now just for Jack with the Bundesliga or we can stick with the powers of the wheel I'm happy to do a redraw if he wants a redraw we'll see yeah. how, how much he doesn't want Munich now um. now the cards are on the yeah. table come back, come back to me in five I mean, <laughs> no no it'll have to be instant now no. off the top of the dome can, yeah can I re- redraw another top tier team though so to see how they're going to be challenged. That's fair, he did get top two. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. It's not the way the wheel works. Yeah. Well, the wheel has spun. Technically, it's not the way the numbers No, I'm having this. If he gets to pick a new team, I want a new team. You didn't get the best team in the league. <laughs> All right, so between one and six, you can't have two. Ah, this two I had before? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go one. Leipzig. Okay, yeah, I can see all Leipzig. Decent team to get behind. Cool. Like that one. All right, Alex, I'll say if you wanted to change your team, you should have drawn Bayern, so I won't have any uh, squabbles. Is there a January transfer window? Yeah. We can do a redraw for a good team. You can't do a redraw for a shit team. <laughs> if, uh, honest, if you can successfully change everyone's mind on a change my mind, 
then we'll give you a token to change one of your teams. But I'll tell you, it's highly unlikely. Uh, that's good motivation. I like the challenge. Anyway, at the least, you're going to have to have watched the highlights, come in a full kit next week, and know each player's in all of your squads. So that'll be next week sorted. Let's just start off with the colour of the kits, and then we'll build from there. Anyway, I don't have any particular news stories this week for I Can't Believe That Was On TV. I've gone for a bit of a more... Uh, freelance intro and I spoke to TK about this so the last fortnight or so I've been going back through films that I feel I should have seen already so the ones where you say you haven't seen them and people screw their face up or in some instances the ones you just say you have seen just in case because I think I said once TK yesterday and he said I thought you'd seen that and sort of I may have blagged it at some point but <laughs> so last night I watched Training Day I've watched uh, Shutter Island Reservoir Dogs uh, Rounders Sleepers, True Romance. You watched all of those last night? No, in the past fortnight. I was going to say. I, I've got yeah, I've got Inception on the cards for this week. Um, you've, you've seen Inception? No, I haven't. It's one of them where I didn't... Wow, I didn't I'm making yeah. that face. Well, I didn't go to the cinema and then it's so long that everyone's told me it's so hard to follow that I haven't committed it's, two and a half hours to sit down with no football manager with nothing it's not that hard to follow well, who are these people this is the thing that's been scaring me like I literally googled yesterday saying like is it that hard to follow I wanted an easy answer from someone they were like I don't know why people say it is but no, it's not. I thought there could be someone like it's, if you're into a twisty kind of make you think film then it's your kind of generic yeah, no, but, make you think film but you would have to watch in concentrate rather than play football manager at the same time. For oh example. yeah, hundred percent. I would be absolutely oh, yeah. fucked yeah, if I was yeah. multitasking with, yeah. for example. I mean, Shutter Island is is a lot like Shutter Island and kind of twists and turns. Well, the thing is that I leave it to the film to do the bit in making me gripped, yeah. so it's on the film really. So yeah, but if you start with football manager, that's getting off on the wrong foot, though, isn't well, it? Well, I, I had football manager open, but I didn't have it on my lap. I had it alongside of me on my little. Uh, tray cushion that I use to make sure it doesn't overheat and it's at the perfect level for me and with training day yesterday click that was it one side I was locked in that happened with Shutter Island yeah. it's happened with plenty um, the train, hard, the train, hard, training day is pretty much the same as me I yeah. haven't watched it yet but I know I have to watch it yeah and you know the King Kong ain't yeah. got shit on me and him saying another line which none of us four could get away with saying yeah. because uh, we don't fit the uh the profile. Ethnic, the ethnic profile. <laughs> yeah. I was going to think, I didn't want to trip myself up and say <laughs> any kind of a wrong word there. So what I was going to say here is if any of you three have any that you want to throw out there now for me or for anyone else as a film that you would say you have to have seen this film. I've got Interstellar in my head from Alex, but then someone also gave me a horrible review of it, which just put me off. I wouldn't say Inter- Interstellar is like, like a film which is really highly rated it's another three hour long film yeah it's not one that I'd sort of go out of my way though to make somebody watch because it's one of those films where a lot of people I just know will just not enjoy it or it would make no sense I got told it was a worse version of The Martian they're two completely different films (laughs) the plots are two they literally what's happened there is somebody's looked at it oh it's a space film and a space film oh they're the same thing that's what T-Case is about Star Wars and Star Trek yeah (laughs) <laughs> oh, it makes me sick. No, the concept of Interstellar is really quite deep, but you've got to delve into it. And then at first you think, nah, that would never happen. And then the, if you watch it the second and third time, you think, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, that actually if a film's over two and a half hours, I feel like one watch should be enough. I've watched Interstellar four times. Jesus. I think it's that good, personally. Uh, it is that good. It is that good. Yeah. Well, I've got 
a disc full of ones to watch. I've got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which I've had come highly recommended. The thing that caught me off guard with uh, Sleepers was the premise is these boys go, uh, they have a prank gone wrong, they go into some like juvenile institute and uh, they get abused and then they go and take revenge on the people that abused them. So I saw the premise of them being abused and then I also saw that in the lead role was Robert De Niro as a priest and I put two and two together and so it's proper happy for the first like, hour and I was waiting for De Niro to abuse the kids, <laughs> which isn't the plot at all. He's some, like knight in shining armour. But I was looking at him through like squinty eyes for the whole start yeah. of the film, like, hmm. <laughs> Have you seen Molly's Game? Yeah, saw oh. cinema. Yeah, that's that's brilliant film. Well, from from now forward, if you have any you want to recommend, if anyone has anything, then I'll yeah. be asking what you watched this week, which is another weekly thing that we started previously, and then I think Alex was spending about five minutes to tell us that he hasn't watched anything fresh this week because he had training and all sorts, so... You've got your homework to watch a film and now you have to watch highlights as well. And each week then, whatever you've watched, whether it's an episode of a cartoon, whether it's a sitcom, whether it's a film, you can come in and you give us a uh, one, to f- 1 to 10 spitballs to start <laughs> off the podcast. And we're going we're gonna to cover all bases here. To be fair, since that one time which you caught me off guard, you had me on the ropes, I didn't have anything to table, I've given you an answer every time the question's popped up, and I've got one for you now. Recent, recent release, um, it's a series, recent release on Amazon Prime, The Boys, worth a watch. Okay. Solid, solid 8 out of 10. Sell it to me. Easy what? watch. I'm going to have to pin you if down. You want, if you want, okay, if you want, if you love superhero films, but uh, like a bit, a bit of, a bit, bit sick of all the nicey-nicey perfect superhero persona and you want you want you want no no no. if you want something that properly turns it on its head then go go and watch the boys i was gonna say that now that is actually the standard superhero film because so many have gone with the (laughs) plot point of we're the opposite of every superhero film so you've had you had logan you had suicide squad you've had deadpool and so now well it's based on a series that's been renewed for a sequel and it's being directed by gollum yeah the the boys is based on a series of comics which is probably like they've done their best to get it onto this like on the screen they've toned it down significantly from the comics and it was i think it was actually under the bracket dc at one point but it was so dark and basically reversed (laughs) anything which dc and marvel tried to bring in they like just got rid of it so yeah it's just watch the trailer for it it's got carl urban in brilliant he peaked at dread why was there no sequel i I would say he's on the rise again with this (laughs) see with me this week i've gone that i've got that like cardinal sin of being well everyone's watching it so it can't be that good it's not it's not as good as everyone's making out the what like i did with game of thrones where i started really late into Game of Thrones and realised what the hell have I been doing? Yeah. I've missed out on so I did much. this with Friends, The Office, <laughs> Idiot Abroad. See, the one that I've started recently is Prison Break. Oh, and wow. lit- yeah, exactly. Season one is like, yeah, like literally I've just finished season one and got into season two. And I was expecting, I'm thinking, right, there's what, 22 episodes 
a season. And when you see originally when there's 22 episodes in a season, you think, oh, there's going to be so many filler episodes, yeah. so many this, so many of that. And then you just can't fall asleep each watching one. it. Like each one in Prison Break, you're there like, oh my God, I've got to watch another. It's this isn't 22 hours of just insaneness. This isn't particularly a spoiler, but how tense is it every time he starts sneaking through the cell? Yeah, yeah. That... My hands are like probably sweating when yeah. I was watching. I was thinking, shit, I'm on edge here. Gen- genuinely. And you think like, oh, this episode might be an easy episode. No, something happens. And you're like, <laughs> fuck, how does this, he get out of it? This Disney merger is just cut off what they were going to do another series. And so they've axed it. But they've axed Prison Break. So they brought it, it had ended, then they brought it back for another series. And then they were going to bring it back for another series, which was quite unnecessary, but we'd have all watched it and it's yeah. just been axed yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like 24 in a sense, isn't it? Where the first few seasons... 24 is so disrespected. Yes, it is. It's one of the best seasons ever written. But the problem is it gets to the last season where it comes to England and he's too old to be doing the stuff that he's doing and he just doesn't have that same Jack Bauer factor. That probably does fit into the category of things I should have watched because I've never yeah. seen that and I've never seen Lost. Yeah, I maintain Lost I, is will, good, yeah. I will one day watch yeah. Lost because I've still somehow managed to avoid being told what the ending is even though I know it's shit so well it, avoid it, this it depends on the way that you look at it okay yeah I watched the ending and I still don't really know what the ending is it was when we were on study leave so I got up to watch it I think it had at like half four in the morning or something like yeah. that my brothers did as well and we uh, watched that so yeah it's not a fantastic I mean, ending. I mean, I'm saying one day I'm going to binge it, but I feel like I might be like a. The, you might not see me for a couple of months. The, 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 the way that they end it, I'm not going to give away any of the ending or anything like that, but the way they end it is my least favourite way of ending programmes. Okay. So, I won't, well, I'll leave it at that. your own mind up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like Nocturnal Animals that when there's, that was left. There's someone's worse in a TV show than a flashback episode. Yeah. It's the most irritating thing. Like, I didn't tune in to see. Yeah. However. When Prison Break did it recently, and I think it's the end of season one or midway through season one where they do it, and you see all the backstories. The goat Holly Valance in season one. Yeah, yeah, seen that. <laughs> Fab, excellent. It's almost like um, what's her face, Alicia, Alicia Cuthbert in yeah. the first series of Twenty Four, and you watch it just for that, essentially. Yeah, my name on Football Manager used to be um, Alexis Drazen. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I think flashback episodes work when they're sort of like furthering the story like in Prison Break you needed to yeah. know some of this and it was worth knowing whereas some of them I feel like that is filler that's sometimes true sometimes I'll do it and think like, right we'll stick in an episode here for free exactly it's like Friends like, I, I loved Friends growing up I watch it back now and I find it a bit more of a difficult watch than I did before but when I was growing up I loved it and then they'd go and do random flashback episodes that add nothing to the story <laughs> and you're like well, what is the point? Is they put Monica in a fat suit, and like, so that is the whole gag of the episode, and that's what they're dining out on here. Well, yeah, because I said to TK, I think, because I'd started watching it, I think I'm on season two, and I said, uh, I don't know if it's just me, like, Channel looks rough in some of these episodes, and then he said, like, yeah, he was in a bad way for life. Yeah, it's, it's funny, actually. Well, it's not funny, but it's, it's funny when you look at it like this. So, I feel that Chandler stops being really, really funny in about season five, season six. When, that, he when he gets with Monica and you can tell that coincides with the rehab years because he puts on tons of weight so he's not stick thin anymore because he's not doing loads of things he shouldn't do he looks I've never seen a pop shot of him looking happy he looks oh. like the most unhappy bloke yeah but it's funny actually if you watch the documentary about the UK office he's they have Matt Perry on there for some random reason Matthew Perry's on it and he says that that is literally the bar for comedy of all comedy the office UK is that is really interesting yeah they, I, I watched a while back on YouTube the uh, 
Ricky Gervais' uh, Golden Globes speeches where yeah. where he said <laughs> where he points out like Steve Carell and he's like everyone says how much they love The Office which you wouldn't have had if it uh, didn't yeah. just rip off our idea. Yeah, <laughs> I mean those on. podcasts were a sensational find. I think it was Jimmy that uh, and Troy that put me and Sam onto them originally and then which, we kind of went from there. Which podcast are these? So they discovered Carl Pilkington when they worked on um, XFM and they're all, you can get the podcasts and it's just, uh, so Carl was their kind of studio guy yeah. who they came in one time because the actual person was ill and then uh, <laughs> he, he said something funny on the mic and so they requested to have him back and then it spirals from there and you hear him gradually coming more and more into it but each episode is like, 40 minutes they cut out all the music because it was just a radio show yeah. of just them just talking nonsense it's just so. absolute bollocks for like 40 minutes yeah but there's loads of them they're all like really good oh brilliant oh, perfect just like listening to a conversation kind of thing yeah. rather than yeah. a story or anything like that yeah. and when he goes back into him you do hear the tail end of the song they had on so because of the time period you'll have like an ocean colour scene song or just be <laughs> yeah. finishing or something <laughs> time capsule <laughs> All right, so we've got plenty of that to get into. Just something, uh, we don't need to go into this, but I've been told that Watchmen is one I need to watch as well, but that's another like three hour. Strangely, I have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> is that the, the film? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because there's, there's a TV series yeah, as well. Now, Kieran that? said how urgently I need to watch it, but when I see something like three hours long, to pin down like three hours to sit, especially after work, so I'm usually like, I've, I've said this, I've said this on here before that, you say like you're knackered from work and anyone who's a manual job, oh, you should try doing it. And it's like, well, I didn't choose to do that, but yeah, I can still be like, not like, I can't think of counting anything worse than getting home and sitting down to watch Inception frazzle my brain. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a different type of exhaustion, isn't it? It's like when you've actually had to engage your brain instead of sticking blocks in the ground in mud. <laughs> like, I know there's a graph side where you want to just chill out, but like, sometimes you've got to give your mind a rest and I'd say that's probably more important. I can vouch for that on a solid basis and the respect that we all know what I do is like what I do in my time when I when I'm working when I'm working in front of a screen whether it's work or anything I'm doing outside of work I've been told off recently because it is not recovery you aren't resting it's not it's not so it does it does eat away at you there's a psychological fatigue which like you know if your mind's fatigued then your body's going to feel it you know I was walking through Cheltenham must have been Thursday last week maybe and I saw from this won't mean much to anyone else, but from where I'm walking down towards like Jack Wills and that to get to the bus from like Yosushi and all that. And in the distance, I saw someone similar height to you, I'll say similar hair from a distance in a full passion fit gear. And I was walking up like to say like, all right. And then I got close and shows how bad my eyesight is and it wasn't you. So thankfully I did realise before (laughs) enough, but I was trying to not do the like, even when you're going to, like chat to someone you don't want to make that eye contact from too far out because then you do have the awkward just like smirk or just raise your eyebrows at each other before you do get close enough for the chat yeah there's i know exactly that there's only one person that could have been so but yeah anyway a couple more things and then we'll get into some sport a couple of uh, moral issues that i thought we could tackle in the way that only we uh, usually can on here so it could go any kind of way um <clears throat> I was looking at the most moral searches of people who turn to Google to check on how their morality is. And uh, two of the first ones that popped up were thoughts on hunting to start with. And the first thing is where people say uh, they understand that 
chickens, pigs, all this. These are bred for food, whether people agree with it or they don't. The main issue seems to be things like lions and elephants. And like things. trophy hunting. Yeah. There's difference in like hunting. That people yeah, yeah. ping from like 100 metres away. And then they always say, well, I wouldn't feel too bad if you were going to go and fight them like hand to hand and hunt them <laughs> that way, which is never going yeah. to happen. I mean, some Norwegian school kids found that out with a polar bear, didn't they? So it didn't really work out. That's a them. nice loop to Lost where yeah. people say, oh, I can't watch that. The polar bear on an island is like, a, a plane crashing into the yeah. sea and a whole people surviving. Yeah, a polar bear is like, that's yeah, it that's for me. <laughs> you say that will never happen. There was obviously the, the famous story of Mike Tyson and the greyback. He's, he was trying to get him let in. Yeah. I mean, that could be a TV series. Mike Tyson takes on <laughs> takes on the world, and I then he goes around taking on different species. How many episodes is it? Well, basically, just he dies. Really, <laughs> <laughs> he got to the shark and then realised he couldn't swim. <laughs> I feel like Mike Tyson's stories were like the early Balotelli stories, which people would say that he just walked into a Nando's and paid for everyone's food. Or, or like told everyone to fill up yeah, their cars at a yeah. petrol station. And these things just never happened. Yeah. And he actually came out and outed them and said that, yeah, this actually didn't happen. And then we've had it probably since then with other people, but there's always going to be some kind of public guy that's going to get this. Anyway, next one. Thoughts on lying. Is there ever a right time to lie? Yeah, believe so. I mean, there's... It depends on the morality of the lie. So if the morality is aiming towards a negative impact on the person, then obviously that's bad. But then there's also, if you're lying and saying, oh, you look great in that, when actually they don't look great in that. How, how long do you think you could last if you were in like a liar-liar situation or like the episode with Cartman where oh, he can't yeah, tell a lie? Fuck. Um, I mean, my job in sales, <laughs> I mean, to be, five yeah, so like, you know, when they, they've, they've chosen that role specifically for Jim Carrey to be a lawyer because they all have to lie. I mean, as a second profession, I think sales isn't that far off. Yeah. I mean, to be in that kind of environment and have to tell the complete honest truth every time. Yes, yeah, I'll never go wrong. <laughs> never, never go wrong. We find out the real personal best Alex has, yeah. I tell you. So when he little ones, he scribbles down. <laughs> Okay, we got a couple more, but I'll uh, I'll move on. We'll save them for another week. We got a long intro next week, if I remember. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll get into the football. If we start chronologically how it went, and then we'll get into the transfer window and VAR after. So if we try to keep it, I'm sure there'll be some crossovers, but yeah. otherwise we might have a free for all, which we did start with last week in in a way where we started talking about the top four, and it all went all went mental, all went wrong, went mental yeah. from there. More some more mental than others, uh, Jack in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, hindsight is not the kindest of mistresses, really. Sometimes I'll say for Principal if Connor is listening, uh, I haven't condoned Alex chewing gum. So if anyone does hear that down the mic, and he could screw that up in some tissue roll for the listeners at home. I was looking for a window to do that. I forgot that. Yeah. Just, just to say the, the statements, the, the statements, the statements that were made on that podcast about Chelsea. I mean. It's one of those statements where, I kid you not, I re-round the podcast about 15 times just to make sure make sure that I didn't mishear what was being said. And then sat there, not angered, not not upset, just confused and like questioning a lot. My brother messaged me. Right, before me, we say anything then. My brother messaged me after listening saying, uh, Jack likes Chelsea, doesn't he? <laughs> right. See... This can be seen as quite a humbling weekend as a Chelsea fan. <laughs> and before we get started, 
Yes, the claims I said last week, and I'm going to stand by them, and I'll tell you for why. You look at the. You look at you look at the players we had missing yesterday. You've got William out. You've got we'll Rudiger we'll out. You've got Loftus Cheek out. You save yourself. And right, I'm fa- I'm red up here, but I will. We'll, we'll get Liv- to Chelsea. You got Liverpool first, so that might that might get you. That's going. the scary thing. I mean, I actually <laughs> went to the pub and watched that, and I thought, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they haven't bought anyone this, this transfer window, really, of no. And the only player they have bought, they had to use straight away in Adrian. All right, so the, fir- the first narrative we've had of this season is that Liverpool suddenly cannot defend. Yeah. 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 From the start of the season to... Uh, from la- the end of last season to now, Champions League final, Liverpool have forgotten entirely <laughs> how to defend. Probably, fortunately for TK, he was at the cricket, so... Yeah. Because there was a nervy couple of minutes and then it kind of kicked into business as usual yeah, yeah I mean obviously I watched the highlights back after but then <laughs> judging from what everybody said and I looked through the sort of the tweets and stuff during the games it was the least convincing 4-1 win anyone's ever had by the sound of it it was apart scraped, from United's 4-0 scraped by uh, couldn't defend lucky Norwich have only just come up or else a better team could have buried us it was a strange sort of a Synopsis that I when I was trying to read up on the game afterwards, the scoreline didn't quite reflect what the everyone was saying. I, th- I think with the branding and the way the Premier League's gone, and the way that English football has evolved to the point where it isn't just hitting hope anymore, mm. teams can play, yeah, and yeah, teams that come up, so you are going to get better teams it, more exposed by say the lesser newer teams because, like Brighton for example, I know we'll probably come yeah, on to them, but. They play football now, and you can see why they got rid of Chris Hughes. Yeah, well, it's only one game in, so yeah. you might not want to say yeah, that. No, 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 no. But some of it felt like uh, when a boxer gets dropped in like the opening round, and they do slightly better than getting dropped in the second round, and some people will give them the round yeah. because they did yeah. better than you expected them to do. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of half like that. Liverpool didn't defend well. I don't know if... it Trent in particular, isn't it? And I think the issue for him this year is that Joe Gomez is such a viable option to slot in there. And if he's not playing well, this I mean, last year, the backup was Klein who was injured and then it was that Kiravella. So at least there is some kind of competition for him this year. The thing with Trent is, it's, it's something I've pointed out on the pod before, is teams do sometimes target him. It's positionally, he can sometimes get caught far at the field. And a lot of the time he gets praised sometimes for kind of tracking back and making a challenge because he's quick and because he can do it. But without the analysis, that look, why was he having to track back and do that in the first place? So the the only thing with the, the Gomez thing, and Klopp clearly does seem as a viable option because if you remember the first leg of the Barcelona game, he stuck Gomez in for the first time. He hadn't played in three months. He hadn't played since December. Came back from a fractured leg and put him in at right back thinking presumably that he'd be more solid than Trent. Now, obviously, the way the second leg played out, it's a fairly clear choice between Trent and Gomez at right back, you'd think, because Gomez got a torrid time. But I can see why there is some concern over that. I personally think Trent's a, a different level of right back than Gomez. I, I like Gomez as a centre back. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of him at right back. Even though he, if you had to fill in, I'd accept it. But it, it wouldn't be something I would I would choose to be doing. It's the mobility and the ability to play football. Yeah. Like everyone was waxing lyrical after that Anfield Liverpool game about how you can stick a midfield and you'll have a good game. And but he genuinely can play good football. So I guess, and that's more and more what you need from your fullbacks. It's not your kind of standard Alan Hutton kind of, yeah. just stick is almost like another centre-back. Yeah, you have yeah. to be able to play football now. 
I was speaking to Sam on Friday and I said that if someone had asked any Liverpool fans two years ago what you needed to sort out, then defence would have been the first kind of option you had there. But it's seemingly for the first time this year, Klopp actually has options, maybe not so much at a left-back, that would be where the weakness is, but he has at least an option, particularly Matip or Gomez is one that if you told Liverpool fans they were going to have a debate as to who was going to be at centre-back, then you probably would expect either they're going to buy someone in or and now each game they're going to be judged so critically. And I was quite surprised he started with Gomez. Yeah, I, th- I thought he'd stick with Matip just because the way he finished last season, he was in great form. A lot, of those, a lot of those Champions League games, he was probably the better centre-half. I'm not saying that was bad, it was Matip had some superb games in there. And yeah, as you said, the community shield thought Gomez looked a little shaky and then Matty shored it up a bit when he came on, so I thought that might have earned him the nod. I, Apart from anything, I thought Gomez is obviously the better long-term option and I thought he'll probably develop into the better centre-back, but I thought it would be sort of Matty's to lose until... And he has shown he will get injured, so you could just let him in then. So I did think that would be what, the way he was going to go with it and I wonder if the... I was going to say the frailties against Norwich, but that's probably a, an overstatement of the word. But maybe showing a little bit of that might think if I get my teeth in, I can be a bit more stable again, like the back end of last year. Do you think there was a bit of um, a bit of arrogance from like the Liverpool team in itself in terms of coming into that match initially, just thinking, looking at a Norwich team which haven't signed anybody? I don't know because they still played like they would any other game. I think just. Yeah, but do you Norwich think that was did more a bit better than? Do I don't think th- Liverpool are ever going to change their style of play, really. But we we know that they can defend, and for them to go, like we said, from not being able to, like being able to defend well to like an open gate, you'd expect that from you'd expect that from potentially a you know, like United or Chelsea at the moment, where they're they they've completely been like reshaken up. They've got a new not Solskjaer, but new manager, new setup. The club's been completely rocked. Liverpool haven't really changed too much in the window. You'd expect them to be a like a pretty solid unit coming out of the gate. All they needed to do was pretty much go up against Norwich with what they had last season game plan wise, and that was going to be more than enough to steamroll them. There's probably they- there's probably some validity to would they have been more switched on in a big game against you know one of the top six teams. I think that's probably a fair fair assumption. The other thing is though, if you look at the first half of the Community Shield. And I know it's pre-season, but most of the pre-season games, I don't think Liverpool have looked particularly fit. I thought it was the first half of the City one, particularly Trent, um, Fabinho, didn't, obviously, but I thought they looked like they weren't fully at the pace yet. And I do think, maybe with the way Liverpool play, well, it is going to take a few games before they do get up to speed, because a lot of them did look... The, it's hard to tell whether the second half against City was showing where they're actually at or whether it's papering over the cracks that were shown in the first half because I did think they didn't look at the races in a way that City didn't look. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, if it's been a decision from the coaching staff and the, the hierarchy at Liverpool to give the players more of an extended rest because after a, cha- after a title pursuit like that, the Champions League run, um, and you, you've got to look at those players and you've got to give them that not just a physical break, but that mental break away from it as well to try and reignite that ambitious fire that they've got to go and try and do that one better this time. Did you see Jeff Shreve's backtracking during the United game when uh, he said yeah, apparently uh, Solskjaer wasn't particularly impressed with the fitness levels when he took over at Man United and Carragher's gone, so whose fault would that be? <laughs> and he went, the players. The players. Carragher's sticking it on him, I did like that. I did hear a few of those as well, and it's like when he was describing Harry Maguire with Luke Shaw, yeah. it's like, with Luke Shaw, you're you have to do that a lot this season. <laughs> and he's like, 
he doubled down on it as well, yeah. like reiterating the point. I will say with Liverpool's back four, a bad day for them is probably better than a bad day for certainly other defences, as we saw yeah. this weekend. I mean, you've got the best right back in the league. You've probably got one of the best centre back pairings in the league and the second best Scottish left back in the league. <laughs> but Allison got injured about. 25 minutes into the game. We know it's a calf injury now. Klopp spoke today and said he'll be out for at least a few weeks, he said. I would say he's probably going to be more generous with that than come out and say it's going to be eight weeks, which mm. probably somewhere in between that. I don't have the fixtures down here, but how crucial do you think Alisson is against any team bar the big six, say? Because do you think Liverpool's defence alters a lot with him not being there. Do you think he provides assurances for someone like Matip, who I wouldn't say is calamitous, but he can be clumsy, certainly, and we know that Gomez had issues. I know it's early season, but do you think in the long run that's going to make much of a difference, or do you think... I think going into a brand new season, you want to set your starting eleven and you want to keep it. You want to know which one the best one is. And the back four know their keeper. They've just won the Champions League with that keeper behind them. And it's not only now have they got through a second choice keeper coming in. It's a brand new signing. So they're going to be getting used to how Adrian likes to play, what balls he comes for, what he doesn't. There could be some kind of mix-ups there. I think that is a potential, definitely potential, because you're not going to have the same player playing with you. And to go back, we do have games against the top six in, in that time period. He will be out for. So yeah. it's, that, that will be interesting. I think with Adrian, I always thought he was a good keeper at West Ham but as we've seen before a good keeper at a team like West Ham when they go to a higher club it, it's a different challenge in terms yeah. of a good shot stopper by all means is brilliant but there's a you might have a period in the game in the Liverpool game where you don't have a shot against you for 20 minutes but then you've got to be switched on for when it exactly. does exactly it's like at West Ham it's always good to, it's always easy to look good when you've had like you've got plenty 15, of practice, don't 15 you? shots on target Fabianski, it suits him to the ground. Exactly. He's a great shot stopper and he, he looks good there. Exactly. I, I could see a mistake with the feet or something with Adrian where people say like, well, Alisson would have dealt with that fine. I could see that transpiring, I'll admit. Yeah, you, you see some of the way these keepers performed after leaving Arsenal and you maybe think, maybe the keepers weren't so much the issue when you now see <laughs> Fabianski and Chesney. Yeah. So if he was out for the full eight weeks, then he'd miss Chelsea in the Super Cup, Southampton away, Arsenal at home, Burnley away, Newcastle at home, Chelsea away, Sheffield away, Leicester away, and potentially United away. If he was, if he came back after eight weeks, he'd be back for United away. Then you best hope so, because then you got Spurs and <laughs> City within three weeks of that. <laughs> but you think he's not going to take eight weeks for a calf injury? No, I'd probably say four to six weeks. It didn't look mega mega serious yeah they, you always get worried when you see the stretch come on yeah. but they, they seem to bring that on for anyone now just, just for a laugh yeah you just hope it doesn't become a recurring injury as well touch wood, because to have had that in a fairly innocuous sort of circumstances is a bit worrying but. he's had a bit of a shaky few weeks old Alison. he came back first game he's had a big summer hasn't he? he's yeah. obviously just <laughs> yeah he had like a bit of a shocker in his first game he yeah. just did this it's almost like he forgot how to play in goal <laughs> just randomly and then gave away a pen in pre-season. If we switch on to the early kickoff uh, Saturday then, so we had City against West Ham and it was business as usual for the most part. So people are saying that Pep has already killed another league here. They're saying that he's <laughs> yeah. killed another country. Yeah. Yeah. He's got too good of a squad. 
I will say that 4-1 is the lowest deficit that City have had away at West Ham in the last three seasons. So this probably <laughs> was on the cards, as you'd say. But you know, still, you, they still did look very good. You know when we're doing our predictions about West Ham being the team that everyone goes, oh, they could do really well this year. I think that just goes to show that it's the same old West Ham. Yeah, I, I took down, I know this is against City, that... As an owner, I don't know why you'd invest in them because it seems like no matter how much you invest, nothing changes. No. Uh, Having said that, I only watched the first half then I was travelling back from London and they were 1-0 down the first half. But I thought it had been a fairly even game. They spent a fair amount of time in City's half which seems, Mm -hmm. even if they are only 1-0 down, it rarely happens. City normally are camped in your half and you survive it. Whereas West Ham had a fair amount of possession and I thought they were not creating lorry loads of chances but certainly you could see how they were going to go about it and players like Haller and stuff were looking like right I can see what, what the sort of the identity of the team is here and then obviously once the second one's gone in the floodgates have opened and, and, and that's the way it goes with City but in a way that's kind of the more worrying thing for me is that I thought City weren't at full full pace yeah. West Ham played quite well and it still ended up being 5-0 yeah. he, he had pillows for feet Haller up top his yeah, first yeah. touch was nuts. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he does look like he could be a signer. Obviously, I didn't see four nows come on, but I, I I still think, even though we're sort of thinking it's West Ham, they're cursed, I still think there's signs to be positive for them. Do you, do you not think that we've seen in the last couple of seasons a, a big man in the league, being big isn't enough now. You can't get away with being an Andy Carroll, no, just no. being big. So well, Lukaku's proved that. Well, we appreciate him on here for the most part. Giroud very much is the mould of a big man with a soft touch and yeah. we've seen that with what Haller seems to be now and from the old Torre Andre Flo kind of mould <laughs> so with City then so it's not really too much to say on them we had VAR which we'll get into uh, Sterling is considering a hundred million pound boot deal with Air Jordan who are looking to make their first uh, moves into the Premier League and Sterling is the guy they've chosen. He, they say he's considering it, so I don't know what else yeah. he's got on the table. Yeah, I mean, so Air Jordan split from Nike, hasn't it? So is that is that I what's happened? They're kind of like their own thing, but still part of Nike, like a subsidiary kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sterling that just goes to show how much he's one improved on the pitch and off the pitch as well. He was kind of like lambasted for absolutely no reason by a lot of the tabloids. And it's like luxury uh, football star buys luxury home for his mum and it's like well he just raised the kids for like on a shoestring budget from what I've been told if I came into loads of money I'd fucking buy my mum a mansion as well and, and a $20,000 and seat. probably be a lot more sort of outlandish and stuff about it than well than yeah ex- as well, exactly so. I, don't, I don't understand I if think people keep saying about how he's sort of like changed on maturity I think it's more just the perception of him's changed yeah. rather than yeah. changed. I think he's been exactly the same probably yeah. and as, as a player he's certainly getting better all the time and but. The, the Jordan deal seems to make perfect sense for yeah. all parties. It would seem to be a win-win all round. I mean, he's just a brilliant role model for kids growing up playing football. And as well, and you think with when he went over to the like the Liverpool fans during the Community Shield, signed still signed shirts for Liverpool fans. Yeah. Did you see he tweeted out saying, "Why does this laughing hate me?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I just like like the most with the City documentary, the episode which did focus on him a bit more is that when he was frustrated at his performance after that one match and he was just like Pep and Arteta were talking about it, it's, like, it's nice to see how much he cares and he's like in it for self-improvement and he wants to better himself. That's what you want to see. The the memes that say like, 
Pep, whenever there's a camera on him around a young prospect, kill me every yeah. single time. <laughs> yeah. It's there, just someone harassing someone else. There's, a, there's that like bold guy that looks just like Pep running down That's the Paul wrong... Walker. Well, running down the tube, say, uh, tube um, oh, escalator yeah, yeah. the wrong way. You know, that goes absolutely flying. On that note, the gifts of the bloke who just runs straight through the door, the runner just dives <laughs> through the door, will never fail to kill me. Someone what? said that was Andy Carroll back yeah. in Newcastle. <laughs> I think it's like whenever uh, Cross gets stuck in for Maguire at United and all that. <laughs> what, um, what do you think of um, Gabriel Jesus at the weekend? Can't get past his eyebrows, as I've said before, but. I don't see, unless he's just sticking it out and waiting for Aguero to leave, because it's not going to be much fun I, knowing I, that you're never going to have your place nailed on. So call call this a call this a fantasy team hunch. I've got him in mind. I think we might see. You also him. have three CDMs in yours prior. <laughs> I don't, and I'm top of the league in our, in my work league, so I've had a good start. Um, I've got him in there. I I think we might see him take the wheel a bit more this season, and dare I say. I reckon maybe Golden Boot. Outside outside Rogue Pit, Golden Boot. Okay. Jesus. Um, here's a quick question. We won't spend too long on it. Top of your head, who's a bigger club, Newcastle or West Ham? West Ham. West Ham comfortably, I think. <sighs> I'd say on the, glo- on, the, on the global stage, I'd say Newcastle. Only because of the film goal. That would be the only <laughs> yeah. way that they're going to be bigger. That matters. That matters. I mean, you see, glo- you see globally, but West Ham have got Mia Khalifa in the locker. I don't, I don't see <laughs> her wearing a Newcastle yeah. shirt. Yeah. She did this big like Twitter rant recently, like, I finally want to get this off my chest. I'm ashamed for the things I've done. It's like, nobody would care who you are without this. So I don't know why you keep trying to pretend you haven't done this prior. Getting things on your chest was the reason you are famous. So don't worry about getting things off your chest. <laughs> Alex, would you like to explain for the people who don't know who Mia Khalifa is? I'm not 100% sure what you're talking about. <laughs> that face when I first said it tells me different. Get on your browsing history. <laughs> I know she's like appeared, because we've mentioned it before, I know she's appeared on um, Thingy's podcast, um, Lance, Armstrong. Lance Armstrong's podcast. Oh, there is a <laughs> Earn a million dollars during the Tour de France, that pod. Nice. Anyway, let's move on to another game then. Bournemouth against Sheffield. I'm sure we won't spend too long on this one. <laughs> but this was one of the moments of the weekend with um, Billy Sharp made his Sheffield United debut 15 years ago, coming on for a grand total of one minute as a substitute against Watford. Since then, he's made 558 more appearances for eight different clubs. Before Saturday, only played 18 top flight minutes, then scores an 88th minute equaliser for the first game back in the Premier League for 12 years for Sheffield. What I did I, like to see the scenes of them going nuts when he equalised. What I love about this story is the spat he's had with Adrian, Adrian Durham. And Adrian Durham has been forced to apologise and he's apologised live on air. I don't know how everyone's then, had a spat with him. So, ba- <laughs> so basically he said that he's going to score no goals this season. He's absolutely awful. He's like a League One standard player. And then he apologised the night before the game because I was listening to it on the way home from work. Stop giving and, them your time. And... Yeah. And then I saw that he'd scored an equaliser. I knew that Adrian Durham was actually hosting Matchday Live from that stadium as well. So, and and apparently he then called him up afterwards and had a go at him on the radio, which I have to, I'm yet to hear. I, I listened to the clip earlier of Colby Covington making Misha Tate cry on the radio. <laughs> Not much more to say on that one. I, the, the quote I saw was said, For all it frustrates us, we shouldn't forget football's ability to produce moments of pure, wholesome joy. 
unless you're a Bournemouth fan. <laughs> How are we thinking they're going to do this year? Are they comfortable staying up? Are they in a relegation scrap? They've got enough key players. In. They've got Wilson up top, Ake at the back, and then Fraser and the likes in the midfield. So I think they should be good enough. More other teams are worse. They they oh, The thing is, they've got all the tools they need to have just a solid mid-table finish. And they've... And they're quite they're popular as well. I wouldn't like to see them go down. They've got a good persona. Who doesn't like a trip down to the seaside as well? <laughs> um, but I just feel that if like just a few, if they start to just go on a bit of a downward trend, just slightly, it might be they, the season. They seem to benefit from they have a sort of downward trend at just the right time, and they, they'll have a game around the corner where they can get a win, and then it seems to rectify. They also seem to benefit from the fact they've got just the right number of players who can have. Uh, like a half a good season and I'll say like, like Wilson Josh King whatever right. if you watch them for half a season you'll think oh they're, they're a great player and someone will come in for them and then they'll show enough poor form that the other clubs go no 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 I don't fancy that thank you it's weird they've got like a racket going on because you see some you see some games and you think these guys are shit they've got like nothing <laughs> I remember it was the Spurs game last season when we well, as a Chelsea fan really needed Bournemouth to get a result and Spurs got like, two players sent off I wouldn't rely on them to get and, results and they still didn't look like they could get through Spurs' events but then they, Chelsea I, I was about to say and then in two years in a row they've beaten us by three goals at Stamford Bridge four goals sorry so I don't, I, I, I don't understand Bournemouth they're such a weird team they are very much you can watch them like win 3-0 lose 3-0 yeah. I don't know what I'm going to bet on but you're going to ruin it for it me. was like that Liverpool game when Karras had like a few few howlers kind of thing yeah, yeah. few yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were Arsenal fans turning their nose up when we were linked with Ryan Fraser earlier this year, and there's still Arsenal fans saying, "So I think we were linked with Ryan Fraser." I would happily have taken him. You look at Iwobi, you look at Mikatarian. Yeah, yeah. they wanted him for like eighteen million, I think. I mean, yeah, like every Bournemouth signing is like for fifteen mil. Like <laughs> every single one. They've done good business, aren't they? Yeah. Jordan Ive for 20 million was a particular highlight. I mean, <laughs> and Solanke. Oh, yeah. Solanke, yeah. 40 million we've milked them for. Well, you saw expert uh, analysis on uh, transfer deadline day, which they're so bad, the pundits on there. I mean, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but uh, what's his name? Jamie O'Hara said that Spurs hadn't improved from last season, despite just <laughs> selling Trippier and signing, breaking their transfer record three times. So, clownies. He also said the opposite to what he said about Arsenal the day before on TalkSport. I also saw someone get a picture of him on there and he's got a love bite yeah, just yeah. over his fucking collar. I was like, yeah. get off TV. Yeah. He, he's one of those awful people that's got lips tattooed on his neck. He's got yeah. the lipstick tattooed someone, on his neck. Someone was saying he's got a love bite on his neck. Oh, wow, it's actually a tattoo. Yeah, he's got me. the tattoo of the lips on his neck. Disgusting. Man. You see the bloke that um, Daniel Lloyd's with now and it is like you cloned Jamie O'Hara and just ran him through the mud a little bit. <laughs> grubbed him up and it's just him, just a worse version. And then we don't know what I've won on there when I'm um, putting uh, Pringles in her flaps. Allegedly. Anyway. So, yeah, Bournemouth, as we were. Good enough team. We think they're going to stay up. I was looking at going down to one of their games this season. You can get tickets to most games. It's like 20 quid, 20, 30 quid for a ticket. It's funny it's as well because they've got the smallest stadium. It's like what? Yeah, 11,000? I reckon have a decent yeah. enough uh, day on that. Eddie Howe's a nice bloke as well. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You think he's going to show you around or something? <laughs> <laughs> this was it. I was, I was complaining about the analysis because I was thinking, I mean, we do this for free and don't want anyone thinking they can demand cash to come on here. <laughs> You'd be surprised the people who've asked for cash <laughs> would do things for the website before. But, uh, 
I can't think who it was. One, one of the pundits out in there, basically, they asked to look at one of the Bournemouth signings, and he said, I'll be honest, I don't know much about him, but Bournemouth don't make a bad sign. If Steve Bournemouth, McLaren, yeah, isn't if it? Bournemouth, yeah, that sounds right. It's yeah. like Bournemouth signed someone. Watford, was it? But yeah, so he literally said, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't really know anything about him, but Watford don't sign bad players, so he must be good. Yeah. He said that, like on live TV. Yeah. It's the the names they plucked out to get on there was shambolic. Yeah. It's like a lot. Whenever I hear like Dean Saunders in the morning, like the stuff that he comes he out. He was with, on today. I was going to get into something about that later. Genuinely, the guy like they must employ morons mm. just so we but talk about morons. Yeah. So the we talk is, about the morons. Usually, you have one to create the headline, and then everyone else like feeds off that. That's what Skip yeah. Bayless. He. Yeah. Is ridiculous, and then everyone else yeah. there is saying how stupid he is, and he plays his role perfectly. These people are so blatantly being ridiculous yeah. that some people don't pick up on it. Like that that phase with uh, people saying supermarkets now can't have this on their aisle name because it offends feminists or something, and there'll be no one that's ever said anything about it. And yeah. People are going disgraceful. What's this world coming <laughs> yeah. to? And that's literally what happens with talk sport and these programs like it. On to the next game, then Burnley Southampton. Ashley Barnes showed up and showed out. Yeah, three goals to nil. We've got them this weekend. <laughs> and and now everyone's saying that Ashley Barnes is the most underrated striker in the Premier League. And it's like, don't get me wrong. It's what we do. Good player, but is he really the most underrated striker in the Premier League? I've got to be on the coach at twenty past seven Saturday morning for that early kickoff. A glamour time. Yeah. Me, Troy, and Tim. Nice little three-man mission. So, do you think Southampton are victims of being talked up too much? Or do you think we're just one game, so... I think it is going to be just one game. I mean, you can't really tell anything about a season the way it's going to go until after at least four or five games. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, look at Arsenal last year. Like, losing your first two games, Chelsea-Man City. And then 22 unbeaten. Exactly. And that's what I mean. So, you can't really tell from the first game. So, I mean, again, like like we've said, Hassan Hüttel, he is kind of the like, poor man's clock and you can tell that he's got a bond with the players I think they're going to be fine mm. he's one of those players that can get every like inch out of the players that he has quick, he doesn't have to buy new ones in quick flick back and this may open up well if we look at say how Burnley play and how Norwich play yeah. do you think these teams should change the way they play when they play one of the big boys or not because yeah. Norwich got a lot of critique for doing it from people saying you can't go and play like that Against Liverpool. On the flip side, some were really praising them to the point yeah. probably over. Yeah, again, it all comes down to the manager because you look at Norwich and Norwich's record, particularly against Liverpool, I know from the Suarez days when they always used to be like <laughs> like eight or yeah. like seven or eight each game. I mean, what with Liverpool, what can you do? If you're a like, manager, really, what you can up, you do? Will everyone be on the ball or do you go out and say, we'll yeah. give this a go and see how it goes? I think you, if you go back to the first game of the... I'm thinking of Chelsea last season, Stamford Bridge, when Saribor was actually working before we'd got found out. We matched Liverpool toe-to-toe and it almost paid off. If you can get it right, it really works. It's like, for example, you look at Man City when they won 2-1 with I mean, that Chelsea, cleared line-off. Chelsea aren't a team to look at, though. You want to put yourselves in the shoes of someone who like is scrapping. Yeah. So, and you say, you're playing one of the big boys, do you change it or do you stay the same? Well, the problem is, is like you've got West Ham, and I'm going to put them in like, the Minnows category here. West Ham in the, in the Burnley so and Norwich. I, I'm, I'm going to against Man City because okay. they tried to do that. They tried that. and But the problem is, as soon as that West first goal... West Ham don't really have a style of play, though. No, but as soon as... It's the West Ham way, yeah. 
you set up like that against City and the first goal goes in, that's your entire game plan gone. And then what you do is you panic and you try and push on a little bit, which creates even more space, which is exactly what City planned for. They plan for teams to sit back, they get one, and then they know when they come out, they're going to get five because the spaces that weren't there before are now there. And the thing with City is, the, you know, the only time that they look in trouble is if you do have a go um, and nick that goal. Then yeah. they, sometimes they can start to panic a little bit. It's the only real hope that yeah. people have against them. E- so. Exactly. Like, you look at their defenders and you look at John Stutz, he's got a mistake in him, but he's in that team because he doesn't really have to defend. Yeah. All he has to do is move the ball quickly and be comfortable with it at his feet. That's what they base their defence around. Not particularly great defenders like Edison. I wouldn't say he's the best keeper in the league, but he's the best with his feet, I would say, by country mile. And that's what Man City do. But not enough teams actually go out at them because they are too scared. Because all it takes is one mistake and they could be one I think the perception is as well that if you have a go, then, you know, this might come down to goal difference and you're going to... But you're going to get carved open anyway. If If you choose to sit back, you're basically accepting defeat but trying to limit it if you go for it you might have half a chance you probably will lose but you might have a chance and I don't think there's going to be like a five goal swing in it between if you sit in or between if you go for it I think the sad thing is is because in years gone by with when say Man United and Arsenal were at the top of the table and you thought that right if we just dig in we may be able to get a result maybe to nick it City it's like what how many can, how yeah. can we keep the score down I'm, it's I'm, not about can we nick a result it's can we not lose by five goals, please? I'm a damage limitation, time wasting from the first whistle kind of manager. Yeah. If we can nick it late, we can nick it late. I will say these same people that are criticising Norwich were the same ones last season saying, it's a disgrace that Rafa can set up like this against City yeah, and yeah. go out not even to try and win. Yeah. So these people can't win. No, I, they can't. I think against Liverpool, for example, sitting in the sitting deep is the way to do it because you don't want to go at them. I think it's actually, yeah. that's the difference between the two teams. I think go for it and sit against Liverpool. Sit in, they probably will get frustrated and they probably will have a mistake in them that you can get a goal. Well, wasn't there a nil-nil where they basically played for a draw and when Mahrez missed that penalty? Was that nil-nil, 1-1 mm. at Anfield last season? Nil-nil. Yeah. Nil-nil. Yeah, yeah. So you had two completely different approaches because if you remember the game at the Etihad between Liverpool and Man City, it was then kind of like a hell for leather, cagey, yeah. But they were both going for it, and it was literally 30 centimetres from mm. Liverpool winning that. Yeah. And then Leroy Sonic comes on. But then you also saw it's funny because you've got two different case studies in the same season when it, Anfield, they both played for a draw. It was the cagiest game that no one expected. I, having said that, with the first game of the season, Norwich have a certain way of playing. It's quite difficult to tell them, look, I know this guy's a success last year. <laughs> Forget about it. Park yeah. the bus in Liverpool, start kicking them. I think you've probably got to go with the best intention and. From the manager's point of view, you've got to be able to convince them that, look, that's a write-off game. That's not going to define our season. We'll go on to the other ones. I think as as Norwich, I know it's a really hard place to start your season, but would you rather not just get it out of the way to start with? Yeah. I think, like, right... They should have ne- started my guy Dermage. <laughs> yeah. But, anyway. like, you would prefer to have a man um, a Liverpool at Anfield first game of the season so you can kind of start it on game two. Yeah. Shift, shift on then Palace Everton I'm the fool that chose the only nil-nil of the weekend to watch at 3pm <laughs> while I was on my deathbed this Saturday Christ <laughs> what a rough day I had Saturday yeah. Jesus so first of all first question I had how did Schneiderlin ever play for United I was wondering this so look at the midfielders they've bought over the last they have bought some horrific yes, players Howard. when Herrera and no stick against him when he stands out as being like the best mm-hmm. of the bunch he was a fairly basic player, but you knew what you got. You wouldn't expect him to be the best midfielder United have bought when they spent some cash. Yeah. Well, Pogba, I suppose, is 
not included in that so much, but you look at Schneiderlin, Fred, Fellaini, mm, yeah. that kind of mark. 20 odd million as well at the time. Fair yeah. like, he was seen as like hot property when yeah, he was yeah, at Southampton, yeah. admittedly, yeah. but I don't I don't know whether he just got, ended up shot to pieces or he was just never that good. I don't know. Yeah. I was raging that we didn't buy him and it was the thing that you had every season where it was like, Arsenal need this kind of player or the pundits, why would they not yeah. go and get him? Yeah. And then you bought Shaka, and they're like, finally! And then they obviously hadn't seen Shaka before. <laughs> so, Sahar, can he get back on track? Is is he now spending the season thinking, oh, I'm so hard done by it? They say that the bid Everton put in was 70 million plus two players, and uh, the board reportedly, when they spoke with Sky sources kind of thing, said they wanted far north of 100 million for him. That's all they would have sold him for this window. The 80 million fee was a myth. They wanted north of 100 million. So in his shoes, he's probably thinking, well, you were never going to accept anything. Yeah, but he signed that contract. Do you know what I mean? It's, he's made for a rob for his own back so in a sense. Inaki Williams signed a deal with Bill Bowte, nine years, yeah, that's all 135 that. million release clause. My thinking is that these release clause, not the release, these contracts now almost just provide some security for the club. But the belief is if the player wants to leave, the club are going to let him go. You must think, so supposedly they told Zahar, look, if a reasonable bid comes in, we'll let you go. And he was fine with that. Mm. You've got to think 70 million plus two players that they wanted is reasonable enough. But then at the same time, we've had this argument before, where is, is 70 million plus two players worth going down for? Because with... It's their own fault. Didn't you I, spend the one Basaka I, I, I heard this stat, right? And I had to pinch myself. Christian Benteke has four goals in two seasons. Yeah, two are against Arsenal this season. <laughs> <laughs> Four goals in two seasons for a striker. That that I mean, like I said, with Zaha, if you got no Zaha, you're going down. Yeah. With a strike force like that, you are you down. You keep Benteke around for that chant. Unreal when he was at Villa and they were belting that <laughs> yeah. chant out. I just I don't understand how he can get away with it. Well, this fits in with a Schneiderlin thing because I think most people when Liverpool got him were like, "This is a good deal." Mm, yeah. yeah. Obviously, it, it wasn't. He was starting ahead of Lukaku for Belgium yeah. at this at this point. It's one of those, again, where it's a two-way street with this contract thing. We're all going about, oh, the club must feel, does Zaha feel hard done by? I bet Christian Benteke doesn't feel hard done by when they honour his contract pay him every week. I think the Palace fans know what's up. I think they know that he's going to leave at some point, but, and I think they also expect him to put it all, his all in. And when he came on, he did look very sharp. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I don't think he's the type of person to be able to, to do that. You think as well that Crystal Palace gave him that chance because after the whole Man United thing where it didn't quite work out for whatever reason, this has been his platform to be able to shine and then potentially move on again. I mean, he's made his word for his own back again by choosing the Ivory Coast over England. I, I, I don't understand why he did it though, because... We weren't picking him, weren't we? He wasn't getting picked and then he saw the way Sterling was getting treated and thought, no, thank you. Yeah, but look at it now. I mean, this is what I mean. It's, it's not the case anymore. It's not... The old the England of old before. You must think if you're getting embraced by your African compatriots and then you're being shunned by everyone in England, you probably think it's a fairly easy choice. There is that, I suppose. I guess there is going to be a personal element to that. But again, it's he's made a lot of the problems himself. He went to United way too soon. He thought a lot of himself then. I, I'm not sure you can turn that. I think if you offer any 18-year-old the chance to move to United, you've got to back yourself. That's why you're in that position. That is definitely true. But then Crystal Palace have been able to give him that platform again and that's why you need to stay loyal to Crystal Palace because to a sense, I'm not saying, oh, 
they have to hold on to him forever and never ever sell him. I'm just saying that if he does go in when, January or go in next summer, at least give you all for them when until Chelsea then. Chelsea bid fifty for Callum Wilson, were you saying he should stay loyal to Bournemouth? Because no, they'll be struggling without him. Yeah, if you'd got him. No, but what, no, what I'm saying is, is that go next season by all means. If, if there's well, been I guess a gentleman that's what agreement. he was thinking last season. That's yeah. I guess the Arsenal board had his brother begging on live TV saying he's an Arsenal fan he wants to come we'll get him in January but, but then it, the and same then he insists he wants a chance to Everton though. That's, that's where I kind of yeah. think do you kick up a fuss to get to Everton but the, is that but the, the problem a huge is huge upgrade you, is it, is it, but you could hold out and get for your boyhood club or a Champions League team Arsenal may be a Champions League team come the summer who he, knows so he signed I can the contract. understand kicking up a fuss for that for Everton like, oh. if he didn't want that length of time in the contract he shouldn't have signed the contract it's, you've seen how Players have been clever with contracts, especially in Arsenal's detriment. You respect Hodgson. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think Palace had literally all of the cards because, from their perspective, all that it takes yeah. all that all that it takes is Zaha to have exactly the same season as he did last year, or just one that's slightly bit better, and his price tag goes up again. And like, uh, I think no matter how good a season he has, no one's paying eighty million for him. I, I, I think someone well, clearly they, no clearly one they are hundred. No one will go north of hundred. I don't see. Well, that's the thing. If he has just slightly that better mm, season, yeah. and one of the big boys need a player like that, they're going to pay it. Palace haven't exactly endeared themselves as a team to negotiate with this. I think you can find a player as good as Zaha yeah, for half the price. I, I think what what I'm trying what I'm trying <laughs> to say what I'm trying to say is though. Palace didn't need to gamble with his attitude following this transfer window because his hand is forced. He's already had that blip where he's sort of not really shown any promise. If he has another season like that, then he's going nowhere. Yeah. So his hand is forced. He's got to he's got to yeah. try and take it another step up this level at the club. Speaking of things going nowhere, if we get on to Spurs against Aston Villa, then uh. so Jack Grealish has now set a Premier League record as he has lost eighteen consecutive Premier League games. <laughs> First question, is he just a championship player? He was very ineffective again. I know he was against Spurs, but they did have a they did have a lot of their free reign at parts during uh, the midfield battle there. I mean, I, I wasn't one of them. Pe- people were writing Ndombele off after 30 minutes of his, <laughs> first, of his first game. Me, not one of them. Langston was one of them and jinxed him into scoring. So you've got him to thank. But Grealish now, if, if he has a bad season, much like you said about Zaha, people are going to make their mind up about him now because... We know the levels are different in the Premier League and the Championship, but when you're showing levels at the Championship and then you're not able to do anything in the Premiership, we've had one game, I know, but the scrutiny is only going to get more and more and more as that haircut isn't going to help his situation either. I think, as you said, it's quite early to judge. I thought he showed flashes earlier in the game from what I saw that of what he can do, but then obviously later in the game, it was his fault that he gave the ball away on the edge of the box. And you just can't do that in the Prem. You might be able to get away with it at a low level. You can't with this one. But this was the same thing at season when people were saying he has to be in England squad. I was like, how do we know that? We don't know that he's done that. And yeah, and he might be the style of player we need, but we don't know if he's the quality player we need. But at his age as well, he's kind of going to have to show something in the Prem. It's not like he can't have a year like Sessegnon did last year, where it was a quiet year where you think, look, he's what, 17, 18, he'll get better. At Grealish's age, he's still a young player, but he's at the point where if you're a Premier League player, you're going to show you're a Premier League player, and if not, you won't. I mean, just my thing with getting him in the team was more when you look at some of the other players and be given a chance. Like, I mean, Declan Rice hadn't done too much. Hudson Odoi, I always feels like I'm digging at him each week that he hadn't done that much more than like Grealish, for example. To but then showing flashes in the Prem at least. He's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, 
But in, in terms of the the consecutive game record is unfortunate. He's a little bit like um, when Bale had that record at Spurs, where you think <laughs> that was an unfortunate record for him to be having. <laughs> he got let off lightly for the fact that he got trounced in an FA Cup final and then went out partying with the Arsenal side. <laughs> and no one ever brings that up. So McGuinney-Esther, as they call him, had a great start in the first half. The way he um, held off Danny Rose, I believe it was, to slot it in the corner yeah. was lovely and Villa are going to have to work out how they want to play because they're not good enough to be passing it around. But if they're going to counter attack like that, then they're certainly going to have a good job against a number of teams. They they played very well for 60 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Villa, all Villa needed to do against us at the weekend, uh, and they just let it slip at the end, was they needed to just be direct. Just go straight at us, go direct, and see if we're going to come slow out of the gates. And we were slow out of the gates. It's so frustrating when teams won't just clear the ball in that situation, when you're so close to the finish line, and it seems so obvious to just hoof it clear. Because why are you trying to dribble out your own box, other than to give yourself a little pat on the back? Yeah. The the one thing that I probably will give Spurs credit for in that game was to, to be in that position again where you've taken an early knock and you've managed to just compose yourself in like through sheer pressure almost like you know an old old united like not it's like just that pressure just ease it through in the end um because as soon as that first goal went in you just knew that there was going to be a couple more coming and villa villa didn't have it in them they were re- relying on that early rock the second the second one went in i turned it off and went to sleep because yeah. i was on my deathbed yeah. and that wasn't helping Belle does look a player that yeah I, one i think he suffered from having um i think he suffered on saturday from missing a potential player uh, missing a player which I think he's going to link up very well with which I think Son he Dembele has the ability Undembele has the ability to make, get that ball at the box but I think he where he was being let down was Sissoko Lamella and Lucas Moura to arguably and, Sissoko was poor yeah and this is the thing I, I know the season last season but I all the way through I said he's a momentum player Technically, he's all. Technically, he is awful. You've chopped and changed on him. No, no, no. I, I said no. He, he was brilliant last year. He yeah, say he got us. Like he, him and Lucas Moura are like got us to the Champions League final because he came on and completely changed the game dynamic for How us. How bad is Lamella? <sighs> Terrible. He had no teeth whatsoever. But I think like Ndombele, he if he if he had son, hopefully, um, hopefully a more informed Kane in front of him. Uh, and Ericsson... What's wrong with Son? Uh, I think Hamstrings. It, no, he's no suspension. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So from last yeah, season, yeah. Um, I think he, I think we'll start to see that, like what he does, translate a lot more. Um, but he already shows he's that player who can easily get a good amount of goals in him as well for a season. I'd say. I think with Sissoko, without making it too simplistic, I think he has kind of shown that in a game when Spurs potentially are up against it, not going to have a lot of the ball, and his other attributes, his athleticism, getting about the pitch, being able to carry the ball, are going to be more useful. He's going to be a standout. In a game like against Villa, where you're going to have plenty of the ball, yeah. and need to do things with it in midfield, he's going to come unstuck a little bit more, as you would probably expect, Yeah, he's when you're playing in a midfield to do. He's the sort of player that you bring on in a situation now where you're, you're up against it, and you need some brute force to give your creative players, or the players that are match winners in your squad, a chance to just take that one opportunity. The thing is, looking at Ndombele, it looks like he can bring sort of athletic qualities he can bring, but he has a great technical side to him as well. It's kind of why when people, I wondered if they would maybe 
just seen the, the, the sort of name and thought he was mm. potentially just like, going to be a holding. But I think looking at the highlights I've seen of him, and certainly from that game, he's far more box to box than a lot of people yeah. thought. And I think he's going to probably show that the more you kind of get the players around him that allow him to get forward. I like it when we see, even in our time watching football and in the last couple of years, when you can see positions change because previously you sign a defensive midfielder and you expect them to get the ball, pass it off and just do their tackling. I thought the best thing about Ndombele was he every time he got the ball, he looked forward. There was one on the edge of the area that he nearly mm. slipped through to Kane. He looks like the link up with Kane is going to work well. I think it did in pre-season as well, just from the highlights I saw. I can't profess to be of watching them every week, but he looks like a guy, usually if you start this way in the Premier League, it wasn't like he scored a 40-yard belter and it can just be, look, you had a good game. The, the technical aspects and he's certainly going to have harder games, but he looked like he, he's not going to be out of place with the physicality of the league. Technically, he looks a lot better than, like TK said, than people gave him credit for probably coming in. And looks like he's got an engine on him, which is half of what you need in the print. Yeah, definitely. Um, going on to the actual lineup itself, I am su- really surprised that he didn't start Ericsson. I've got a bit on that. Uh, just Yeah, okay. All right. And stats. also, it's gone under the radar a bit. I don't know. I think some, uh, one of the, I think maybe Talk Sport brought it up, but um, the Tongan not even making the bench. I feel quite betrayed, boy. You listening to talk sport despite me trying to. Raise I didn't a actually listen. I it was a conversation, birthday birthday meal conversation with my granddad who overheard it on the so radio. There's always birthday meals in the AJ household. I'm in the car a lot of the time, so it's just you listen to on. repeats of the spitballing pod. <laughs> yeah, or the out of order podcast. Little yeah. plug there. So Trezeguet and Wesley were the two big name players making their debut for Villa. I thought they had as bad of a debut as I've seen from any team this weekend. They look like. The physicality, that not just you can be small and get knocked over. They were whinging every time they got bumped, every time they got nudged, rolling around on the floor. And the ref was trying to say to him, look, this, you're in the Prem now. I think there's every chance um, a lack of cutting edge could be Villa's biggest issue this year. They showed for certainly a bit of the game they could kind of match Tottenham for a bit when they were obviously going at it fully. I think potentially they either weren't fit enough to carry on doing it against Spurs or just not good enough. And I think a lack of cutting edge. If you know, if you nick that second goal against Spurs, it could be different, but they didn't have that in them. I think that's the thing coming up. It's you're used to being the best of the league mm-hmm. below. So you think one goal will do it will see it through. Yeah. It's having that cutting edge to be able to go and kill off a game. You're the worst teams in the league now. And it's that massive step up and there is a there is a gulf. It's been like one point between the three promoted teams and Sheffield maybe you might not have expected. No, exactly. I mean to be fair, let's be frank, yeah. you've got Norwich away yeah. at Anfield and you've got um, Aston Villa away at Champion League finalists yeah. Tottenham. So, what can you take from this? I mean, realistically, it's going to take a lot more to have a look at them, but I think Villa have the foundations to be a good team and I think they've strengthened in the right areas. I know that we're talking about lack of cutting edge to play in Spurs. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of better teams that we could get dismantled by Spurs. We have the last bit on this. We've got a couple more games to get into. I, I will say I was sniggering every time they said uh, codger on commentary. It was just <laughs> cracking me up each time. But like Alex said, so Ericsson didn't start the game and these stats are as clear-cut as it can possibly be. And I know we always say we go with the eye test on here, but this does tie in with that. So Spurs without Ericsson on the pitch, 64 minutes, 12 shots, zero goals. Spurs with Ericsson on the pitch, 26 minutes, 19 shots, three goals. There's a clear difference in that, isn't there? Yeah, obviously, um, uh, Celso didn't even make the bench. Um, I, I think maybe, 
I'm surprised that he didn't even have them on the bench on Saturday. We saw Saturday. that with all the new signings, really. Yeah, I, I think those Spurs kind of needed to potentially have them on the pitch for a few minutes. Um, I mean, Sessegnon's I'll, injured, I think. Yeah, that's true, actually. The thing is, Ericsson, we can't deny what Ericsson brings to our squad, even though last season he didn't have, let's say, a step-up season from the season before. He still had, he's still a key influence in our squad. And obviously, yeah, having Lamella in, play, in would take him still. Yeah, obviously having having a player um, like Lamella in his place who has no creative bone in his body. Um, you've got Ericsson there who we still could potentially lose in this window. What have you got to lose? You play him, you, you either remo- you, you you give him that motivation, show how much much he's valued, bump his price tag up if he has a good performance, or you or, or you just you you play him. He's like pretty average still, and you lose the interest from other players, and you reintegrate him into the squad again. I think you don't play him in the hope that you can say, "Look, this is how much we don't need you," and then. By fact, you do then have to bring him on. He kind yeah, of then right. looks back and I, I says, "I think they've already, I think they've already crossed that bridge, though, because I mean, yeah. he had, he, he's realised that okay, there isn't really an option for me to go here. That ideally, his his choice was Spain. There isn't really the interest coming in from Spain. He chose to go on the preseason camp. He hasn't stopped about it. He's gone. He, he, the preseason performances he had were good. I, 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 there was no reason he shouldn't have started at the weekend. I want to cut you off. But if we move on, we still do have. Uh, yeah, Super Sunday, which includes Arsenal and the uh, Chelsea game, which we don't want to miss out on. So, first take from the Newcastle Arsenal game: Mkhitaryan is finished. If you didn't know it before, his hairline has followed his talent. He is a dead player. All he's done. Shaka still awful. Gave the ball away every single time he touched it. He also did captain the side. Great showing from Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We had three uh, Halen prospects uh, graduates starting with Reese Nelson, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Joe Willock. I thought three of them were probably the best players on the pitch bar Abamyang. when you look at some of the other players on that Arsenal side with Gwendouzi, Xhaka, Mkhitaryan. Defended solidly enough. I know it was Newcastle, so I'm not going to take too much into that, but we've equaled our clean sheet tally away from home last season in one game. And when you look at the players that were missing, I mean, we were still without Bellerin, Tierney, Louise, Torreira, Caballos, Ertzel, Pepe, Lacazette, all in the starting lineup. So, yeah. big difference there. I've seen some people at the game saying the conditions were far worse than they looked on TV. They say you couldn't have played like a slick passing game in how it was. They say how it was horrific. Was. It was yeah. like, yeah, there was commentators saying that the ball was actually blowing over it, people's it heads. It happened in the uh, Palace Everton game where. Someone tried keeping it, it went, and it, it went backwards. It was unreal. Yeah. To show how much we clutch draws with City now, I saw people genuinely making a case for West Ham for that game. Well, it is very windy, so <laughs> yeah, City yeah. might struggle. It's like, yeah. All right, well, that's what we're going with, is it? Yeah. So most of the highlights I saw afterwards said that Aubameyang had bailed out Arsenal, which I said to TK about this earlier. It seems to be that only with certain clubs this happens, where it's not your strikers done what they're supposed to do, it's they bailed them out. We had it with... Yeah. If you took away Suarez's goals, then Liverpool would be here. If you took yeah. away Van Persie's goals, Arsenal would be here. Aubameyang did what he's meant to be there for. He had one real chance, scored the goal, went away from home. You get slated if you don't win those games. Yeah. I- ironically, Aubameyang is not the sort of striker you'd have as... Like, he, 
he is the guy who takes the opportunity. He's not the guy who creates the opportunity and then takes the opportunity. He's not like he you know. He's a lot of citizens. Yeah, well. exactly. So it's not as if he, he's. It's not a bailout at all. You know, it's the it's the that it's that team and move it, which has given the it opportunity. It was in a one nil win as well. So you've kept a clean sheet. And yeah. <laughs> if it had been like a three two win where you'd been two 0 down and he got a hat yeah. or something, you think right, he's bailed him out. But a, a bailout is like literally bail like last season at Spurs <laughs> where like that last minute winner from long range against yeah. West Ham. That that's a bailout. <laughs> so Steve Bruce, sorry, Steve Bruce brought on Jetro Williams at left back, gave the ball away immediately after coming on, ran through centre midfield. If you listen back, then you can hear on the camera Steve Bruce saying, "What the fuck are you doing?" About five times yeah. over the camera, and then Angel Maitland-Niles cross it in, he scores, and he still carries on repeating it until he gets looked at. See, I was just about, to, I was just about to make this point because I was listening to John Watson today. And Christ, you've had a rough couple yeah. of days. John, John Motson, he's the king of football. I was thinking John Moss. Oh, no, John Moss, no, John Motson. <laughs> Listen to him today. So apparently what happened was, was that he was supposed to come off, come on at left back. But he didn't know where he was supposed to be playing, so there was two players playing at left back. So they left them lopsided, and then he ran through midfield, gave the ball away, and then there was, yeah. that's where the space was created, because he'd gone to right back, and two players What's were in the it? same position. Maybe and that's not. why he was shouting... What the fuck is going on? Yeah, Maitland Null said usually you look up and you never see a Bamiang wide open on his own. Yeah, he was like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. So if you think of uh, bailing them out, if it wasn't for that, then that would have been nil nil. I'll say again, we've played one <laughs> game, so I don't go too over the top. But Joe Linton, for me, we spoke about the big men earlier and how you have to be more than a big man now. He didn't look too promising from what we saw. He looked like a big man kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He looked like no better than what they ever rond on last year. I question whether if you could have kept him, you probably would have paid less than forty million. I mean, he had six. He had six goals for Hoffenheim. I think it was they got him from. So forty million. It's a lot of money to spend on a striker with not a lot of back. Oh. Almer on that little. Diving scumbag tried rolling. He's as much of a kid I've ever seen on a pitch. Got yeah. a smug face as well. Alan Saint Maximin looked good. He looked good mm. for um, uh, coming on. He was arguing with an Arsenal fan on Twitter two days before and two days after the game. So <laughs> the highlights I saw him, I thought he looked like he could going on for the rest of the season could be the guy for them. Uh, whether he just looks a flashy player, or whether he can deliver the goods, well, would be the interesting thing. One of the critiques of him is that he doesn't have an end product. Yeah, and he did have a couple of times where he was kind of scuffing it when he got in there. Mm. Last couple of bits and then we'll get on to um, Chelsea. So, I mean, there's a lot more to come from this Arsenal team, I imagine, when the transfers do come in. I think we'll see some more of the new signings on uh, Saturday, hopefully. Do you think he brings them all in, uh, like pretty much all in next game, or do you think he plays this like squad rotation where he doesn't know what he's playing for a few more weeks? I worry that Callum Chambers is going to start again because he didn't have a bad game. That would be my thing. I think Torreira comes in for Gwendouzi. I think Xhaka still starts because that's what... Cabarrus looks a little off the pace. He looked like he was used to being in a Madrid shirt where he can have his time. I did like the shithouse at the end where he's uh, blocked it when they tried passing it back for a goal kick and then ran off like he had no clue what he was doing. I but, don't know that you're going to be able to keep Louise on the bench for too no. long. I don't think that's a, a goer. He no. will have to start at some point. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on to that. So anyway, we get on to Chelsea, who uh, lost by a magnanimous scoreline of four goals to nil against a very weak Manchester United side. Right. Chelsea had a good opening 15 minutes, and it was downhill from there, really. <laughs> so, 
Can I can I just say what my highlight of the weekend was? It's a, like so family all round for the 18th birthday. We've got the game on as well. Both my little brothers and the birthday boy himself were obviously Chelsea fans. Great birthday present that. <laughs> Most satisfying part, and I'm sure I'm sure Luke can you know feel the joy of this as well. But the missus is sat next to Ben. And uh, it's the fourth goal's gone in, and she just gives the looks over to him, gives him the little tap on the leg. It's all right. His face just. She sinks. didn't say it's only a game, did she? <laughs> I hope she she didn't, didn't say that. She didn't say that. He was giving Jack a little leg rub. <laughs> so, so, where do we start with this? I mean, from all so Zoom is defending for the first. Yeah. Time. <laughs> so, so this is the problem. I mean. We started actually really well. You would say that we were edging the first 15, 20 minutes of the game until the penalty. And he did this weird thing and you knew that he was going to have a slight off game because just before he gave away the penalty, he gave the ball away inside the penalty area. Just say and that we were, it was we like were the told week. all week, look, we don't need David Luiz. We've got two, we got two, three better defenders here. Well, anyway. see, again, you've got to have faith in the younger lads. I mean, da- David Luiz is 32 years yeah. old. And the problem that you look at the notable... 45 games so last year. What, what we'll do... I know, I'm not saying... I, I didn't think it was good business. I've always said that I don't think letting him go, especially to Arsenal, was a terrible, terrible idea. But he doesn't get on with Frank Lampard and that's the way it is. Well, I like that Lampard came out and said, look, the reports of him refusing to train aren't right. I've always said... Yeah. I would like a manager to come out and put it right if that was said about me. Yeah. And it's 100% true. And I, again... If he is going to leave and Arsenal do want him and he wants to go to Arsenal, there's nothing he can do you about it. You probably that. think that you're going to get nothing from him. He signs a new deal and then you get five to eight million from yeah. him in add-ons. Yeah, yeah. Not even paid all up front, so. I know. So you look at the first 15 minutes of that game, you see Tammy Abraham looking sharp. He hits the post. And you think on a different day that goes in. Yeah, I thought it was. Where, like, 1-0, you think, oh, that's, that's, that's quite a good scoreline. Then you get to Zoom, he makes a mistake, he's already nervous, and you can tell it's first game back from Everton after a loan spot after being. He don't forget it was a ch- it was a start under Mourinho, did his ACL, and that was that. First game back at Old Trafford, you know he's going to be nervous. He gives away one of the most clumsy stonewall penalties that you are that you are ever going to get, and it just hands the initiative to United. It's a great penalty. It was absolutely no chance, and Kepper is well known for saving penalties. He looks like such a kid, Kepper. Yeah, I know. He looks, yeah, he looks like an absolute more child. People start putting respect on Christensen's yeah. name now. I've been singing his praises. Christensen, I didn't yeah, think he Andrew, had a great game. Andrew I've been singing his praises for ages. He made, he's got mistaken. Don't get me wrong. And the problem Seems he good thing with all centre backs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem he's got is that he was having a run in the team, and then against Barcelona back in Conte's reign in the Champions League, when winning one 0 at home. In the last minute, we've done everything we need. He gives the ball away. And that's the mistake that everyone remembers. And that's, Roman doesn't like Danes. No, oh, it's, it's, I mean, is that founded? Is that true? Allegedly. Yeah, so, but anyway, I thought we had a pretty strong game. Um, we got shown up at right back again with Aspilicueta. I mean, don't get me wrong, he is a centre-back now. He's lost his legs. He's going, yeah. And he's gone from playing at his left centre-back under Conte. And he's didn't look right last year at right back. And he definitely doesn't look right now. I think a big point if Frank Lampard coming out and saying that look at the players that we have missing. You think you got William in that? I know I've, I'm <laughs> one of his biggest critics, but yeah. he, he is a senior player who knows the Premier League. You've got in that team Tommy Abraham making his Premier League debut, but well, start debut at Old Trafford, Mason Mount, and you've got a midfield that hasn't really played with each other with Barkley, Mount, and Pedro. You've got Rudiger, who's our first, well, first choice centre back missing. You've also got. 
Williams to come back, you've got Ruben Loftus Cheek to come back, you've got Hudson Doy to come back, you've got Kante who hasn't played all preseason. That is a difficult game to go into with five big players not available, or if they are, not matched It ties in with the Azpilicueta thing at centre-back. So Paul Merson went on a rant on Soccer Saturday that yeah. I saw. The clip of it, someone was cooking in the background. I don't know why they uploaded yeah. it, but this is a whole thing. And he said, as a manager, you should never trust any centre-back that's ever played in a back five. He said, if a centre-back's ever played in a back five, it's because they can't defend and the manager doesn't trust him. He said, so if you look at Harry Maguire, United shouldn't have paid £80 million because if he was that good, he would never have had to play in a back five. So, Harry Maguire, actually, I think he deserved his man of a match. He every, he dealt with everything that came his way, and that's exactly what Man United bought him for. But to go back on to, before we praise Man United too much, right. Chelsea actually had more shots, more possession, more territory, more time with the ball. With But Man United, it's like that, you know that FIFA game where you control against your mate? And, but they get four opportunities, and they score all four of them. That's what happens. <laughs> I don't think it is a 4-0 game. They scored four goals and you've got to say well done to them for that. But I don't think they were 4-0 better than Chelsea. Maguire and wan could have booted out of the stadium every time they got the ball and the whole of Old Trafford would have gone nuts. <laughs> I, I don't get this statement. Like My brother said the same thing. He said, when it was 3-0, he said, it was not a 3-0 game. I was just like... How can it not be a three 0 game? They've like you said, but it's just not a three 0 game. Surely enough, sixty seconds later they put a fourth in. Said, no, you're right. It's a four. It's a four 0 game. I said this but before they, when we lost to Southampton and was ridiculed for weeks. But the thing is, they Man United took their chances. That was the decisive difference. That's that's what it takes to win a match. Rashford you, class. Chelsea didn't. I know you hit the woodwork twice, and ironically, I did say the second time that he had woodwork. Said you ain't you're getting anything in that goal today. But that's the woodwork is still not on target. Don't get me wrong. Bad luck's bad luck. That's football. We lost 4-0. That's fair enough. Rashford looked shit on it. And you think as well, you've got Martial now. That's second goal. Yeah, exactly. He was, it was a brilliant finish. Pogba, great pass. Pogba actually played really well, contrary to what most people are saying. He played really, dictated the pace in, in the midfield itself. But again, that's the difference between Chelsea and United at the moment is that you've got Rashford up front, you've got 40 million... Martial, you've got the world's most expensive defender and midfielder, and Chelsea going through that rebuilding process. Mason Mount looks sharp, not sharp enough. And we there's times where we had guild edge chances to shoot, and he tried to do this weird thing where he squared it twice. And you think different day, different result, but take it as a learning, a steep learning curve is needed. But we go again and see what happens later on in the season. I from the way that we played, I felt more excited. And I felt more entertained watching the first 15 minutes and the majority of that game thinking Chelsea get back into it than if it was 2-0 under Sarri. Yeah, I, t- I don't know, but I just... Because the main thing I thought from Chelsea's point of view was I thought they were quite naive, which is probably to be expected with some of the players. I thought it was there was individual mistakes in there, but I thought even there was a pattern of play that was emerging where not long after United had gone one up and it did kind of the space just opened up it was incredible for both teams yeah. and Chelsea could have got it and probably more that's probably where the frustration lies from Chelsea's point of view but I thought it was quite clear from that point of view that this was going to suit United in terms of Rashford and Martial if they're one thing they're rapid and they're going to be good on the break and it should suit Pogba where the space opens up and he can play those passes behind and I thought look at the players Chelsea had on the pitch and look at the players United on the pitch that was always going to suit United yeah. more than it was going to suit Chelsea at that point the amount of time you saw sort of like Pedro pick it up and you think well he's not going to be able to run it at the other no, end exactly. uh, or, like, or Barkley might have it and he'll give it away you know yeah. that so it was I, it was quite a clear pattern of play that I thought either the manager or the team oh. should have rectified and maybe looked to change I know it's only a first game in yeah. so it's hard to do that but I would say for Chelsea's point of view as the season goes on 
I think they're going to have to recognise those situations a little bit more no. rather than, right, we've got this way of playing and we're going to try and do this every time because it won't work. Again, I think that lineup. I don't think you see that lineup too often this season with no. Barkley playing on the left wing yeah. and then... Kante would have shot up a yeah, fair yeah, amount as well yeah, just by his sheer presence. Yeah, and Pedro on the right wing. I don't think you see that lot. I think you see Pulisic and William with a bit more pace. You don't bring what Petr you, Cech back and expect to yeah. defend well away from home. What, what I've... Uh, what I was going yeah. to well. yeah, what, what say as well is that you've got a team under Solskjaer there who's now into, he's had a pre-season, he's been a bit assured, but that team, bar Juan Bazaka and Harry Maguire, have been playing with each other for the last two years, three years. What? You've got a team there at Chelsea where, COVID, yeah. It's complete, like almost run away. You got a centre. The best transfer window. You got, yeah, you got, you got, you got a centre back partnership that that's their first game as centre backs together with Christensen and Zuma. I think there's a lot to come from that team. I think United were very clinical and they took their chances very, very well. And I think a lot of the negatives that we've said in pre season about United, if that's anything to go on, if they're going to start being clinical like that, then they should be looked at. No, I. I I think United have been given a bit more credit than they they need to. I think, as much as I've, I laughed at Chelsea over this game, I think they literally they were one player away, one 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 um, crucial player away off the pit, like one significant player off the pitch from having a completely different performance. I mean, you throw a fit Kante on that pitch, you aren't going to lose the ball in the middle of the pitch as much as you did. Half those chances that United created, which they didn't create as much as you as you've already said aren't going to happen. Also, just having that experience on the pitch to just just dictate the play a little bit more. The, without a shadow of a doubt, the creativity that you had up front was there. You just needed to get it there. And then when you were up against it, to just keep going at them. And I, I think it literally all it would have taken was one goal. Well, that, well that's it. It's, it's the mistake factor. All of, all, pretty much all of the United's goals came from our mistakes. And each of our mistakes got punished. And it was one of those games where it all did. So on a different day, different. If that game was five games into the season, you never know. So but, la- yeah. last couple of questions: What did we think of Jose's first game as a pundit? Perfect. I don't think he's. I find him hard to listen to. Well, as an Arsenal fan, you're going to say that because well, no, you've just got this inbred no, 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 hate. Because no, I said to Tika, <laughs> I just, uh, he he seemed like they were trying to bait him into giving answers. So yeah. they were, and I think because of that, he got his back up a bit, and yeah. so he didn't want to say too much, and so. I think the questioning could have been better and I also thought that he could have not been so cryptic in all of his answers. I think he has to be. Isn't there a gagging order or something that he had to sign of the reasons why he left Man United? Well, I mean, he can't give game, too much away. Before the game, they asked him about the lineup, and he said, like, I can't tell you now. Well, I'll tell you at half time once we've seen the lineup." Mm. And it's like, you're paid to, come on, just tell us a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this is a lot of the reasons why we've loved Jose Mourinho over the past. I say we as a loose yeah, term. Yeah. Um, people that... A Jose people, he's just good media, and it's it's the presence he has in the actual box. Having him next to Sunes, I mean that was a masterstroke in itself. Just the grumpiest bastards, <laughs> just like if you're trying to go for like new fluid, kind of new ideas. But the then he, two people. yeah, you throw it out the window by putting Mourinho and Sunes in the same. Get two people like that opposite him and just yeah. let him scrap it out. He does. He he did come across as how can I put it? He came across as a bit. Superior, if that makes sense, in terms yeah. of the way that he the, his wording, the way the tone that he puts it across, as if to say, "Oh, like he I kind of puts like, it off 
he, he puts it off like what I'm saying everybody should know I feel like, like you know I think like Luke said I think maybe the line of questioning sometimes kind of allowed him to be kind of almost condescending with it because it was some of the questions they asked him was like these are like most basic questions that like you said it's probably trying to bait an answer out of it but it was kind of obvious and these were stupid things like you got a good opportunity having him in there mm-hmm. and you probably shouldn't waste silly questions because I thought he kind of started well at the start of the programme and it kind of faded as they dragged it more on trying to get something out of him which I thought became more and more blatant so the question a lot of United fans yeah. are hating on him though so I, yeah. I enjoyed that because yeah. they were furious with some of the stuff he was coming out the, with the question in line that I would attribute it to is like you know when English companies cover the NFL and they ask they say like really like baseline basic they questions whereas like if like people should know that we are going to know what they're on about they when said, they talk about tactics. He said, when you start training with a new team, do you do just defensive or do yeah, you do a mix? And it's like, it's like, yeah. Ridiculous exactly. It's like, you've got one of the, uh, again, it, it get, like six times in about four different. I, I, I thought Neville was almost a bit nervous with him, whether because of previous things he said yeah, about but, United. Well, yeah. I thought that's why he was asking the basic questions. I felt. Yeah. Do you not remember he dug Neville out a few times where he's because yeah. Neville had spoken about a Monday night football. Exactly. Th- that's the thing is he's got that presence there, and like for the pundits that are already there themselves, I, I hope, I hope what happens is they just have that little bit of banter and humour that breaks the ice, said, and it might just get it to work. He said at the end of the program, he said, "Look, I hope that." you can all help me get better at this as I uh, carry on. Mm. Uh, like People that talk about it, some people say that he's like a sweetheart to be around when he's not in football mode. <laughs> like he's yeah, like the no, nicest I've, bloke. I've heard that. I've heard that. And there's, there's the story where they say about when he booted the ball at um, Soccer AM, uh, not Soccer AM, Soccer Aid, was the, I can't think it was, the bloke who was on. He took someone out. He had an injury, basically, and he was about to go to filming, but he didn't want to pull out. So he was going to play for 10 minutes and then come off, but there was no opportunity. And he was about to get crunched at the time of this. So Jose kicked the ball away so he couldn't get crunched and everyone thought it was this big joke. But really, he was saving this actor from getting nailed and losing out on all these millions. Yeah. He is a good guy. I mean, he has got a wealth of knowledge and he is interesting in press conference and as a Chelsea fan now Rude Hurlitt seems to have flown off somewhere <laughs> it's nice to have we need a Chelsea biased pundit and he's he has come out and said that he's going to back us a little bit because it is far too dominated by Liverpool and United pundits I think there's Arsenal ones and they all hate Arsenal so. yeah I mean you've, you've got you've got you got Ian Wright and that's literally it so thoughts on the first weekend of VAR do we think it went well or not so well I'm conscious of time but I think again, when you look at VAR, you got to think there has to be, in my eyes, I hate yeah, it. a lot like cricket, you're gonna have to have umpires call. You I get, didn't celebrate um, the Arsenal goal because I thought it might be offside. And yeah, I thought, <laughs> and that's what you're gonna get. I mean, I'm still stung by that Jesse Lingard one for it the Nations in the League. Wolves game as well. I know it got disallowed for a handball that a led minute, to it, wasn't and it? It was a minute forty after, and then, but then on the flip side of it, you got the Leicester fans in celebrating that well, goal not being Santo, given. He said, uh, he said you shouldn't be having fans celebrating because there isn't a goal. He's like, that isn't the spirit of the game. Yeah, it's fair. The problem is, is that you're going to have to, there's going to have to be an umpire's call. If it, if you're talking millimetre, if the player's in line in any way, that is, it, what I VAR... I think it, it went as well as it could have gone. Yeah. What VAR is, what I envisaged VAR was for, was if someone is offside, that goal gets cut out. And I'm talking like, if it's blatant, like there's yeah. daylight between players. When you're getting into millimetres of elbows and shoulders and stuff, it feels like it takes the full, the fun, raw emotion out of the game. I think the law needs to change in accordance with VAR coming in. I feel like 
it should only be overturned if there is daylight between the player and the attacker, the defender and attacker. And if there isn't, then it is left as the on-field decision. If and then that's that. It's, it's too late now, though, because you're going to have players appealing for it. It's too late. If, yeah. To finish off here, then, and we don't need too much of, to go into it, but who had the best transfer window? Alex, if you want to go first, I know you've got some strong feelings. I, I think now you was you no were no, no, no because uh, ironically I, I think I'm going to have to say um, joint Spurs and Arsenal. I like I said I said Spurs. I, I said Spurs, joint joint Spurs and Arsenal because and I would I would say this largely I said I think Chelsea being out of the game this time has been had a significant impact on Arsenal and Tottenham's ability to bring in players. Um, yeah, simply, simply because yeah, they've um, chosen Arsenal anyway, but Spurs probably uh, no, not really. But I think they've they've strengthened exactly where they need to strengthen, but not. I mean, nobody's had the perfect transfer window, didn't which find is that why Ericsson replacement. There's what didn't find that Ericsson replacement. Celso, he's not a cam, and he's not going to be doing what Ericsson does. Pretty he's sure. Hoping, I'm pretty. Sh- he definitely is that. That's exactly what his position is. I think I've. Used he got played out of position. So he got. Uh, he got played yeah. out. He got played out of position at PSG, which is why he got sold. You play him deeper. Nah. No. No. I was listening to a journal talk about when they played him deep, and they said he looked like a fish out of water. It wasn't ready for it. Exactly. So. Yeah. He's a deep line playmaker. No, he's not. But, but he's the, a, he's a creative suge- one. The suggestion that um, Spurs weren't looking for someone else when they were in for Dybala, though. It does also mean they were clearly looking for something else as well as Lascelles, I would imagine. But yeah, regardless, I'm not saying like I don't think any clubs had a perfect transfer window. Uh, like Spurs, like Spurs, glaring obvious weakness at wing back, uh, which we didn't fill, um, and arguably we're maybe missing that one more big signing to yeah. distinguish us. Arsenal, I think they made some really good signings themselves. I think some are a little bit overrated. One in particular, the other ones really great. They've got. I mean, the. I'll Which be honest. The pe- the Pepe, Pepe's the signing of Pepe is is massive, and I I I was shook when that came out. Which one's overrated? David Luiz. Well, no, we saw with Chelsea this weekend. David Luiz at the Chelsea would want. Uh, uh, look, I said in the group chat. If you think David Luiz comes into that Chelsea squad and saves that game, I think you're very much deluded. <laughs> he does he? Wouldn't Zuma wouldn't have been there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and David Luiz hasn't got yeah, a performance like that. David Luiz does not stay on his feet in that situation. David Luiz has won more titles than your club has won in colour. You can do that at a squad. You can do that at a team like Chelsea with players around him like it did. You put him in an Arsenal squad alongside. You put him alongside Mustafi. You've got an open gate. He ain't going to win you anything. Well, Mustafi isn't going to play again. Look, for an eight million, he's a steal. But for you to for you Five to turn around for you adults. to turn around in less than twenty in a couple of hours, gone from slating him have in the past. Any evidence of me slating him? I've tried. I've you have. You have been deleting uh, tweets. He, he has been you deleting, have deleting tweets. Deleting tweets. I've seen them. I he has got a, form for it. I hope. Well. I hope there's a dedicated listener out there because I have come out in the past and said I, as much as as much as I don't think he's a great defender I've always liked him and, I, and I've and i tried to fight in his corner so I hope somebody plays him as a holder midfielder so, someday and he has slated me every no single idea. time so the way that I did this was I looked on Twitter as soon as I saw it confirmed and I searched Luke Byron and David Luiz and there was only one tweet, and I refuse to believe you've never, you've never it? tweeted. It's from memory, it would be when he won me money in the World Cup. For it's scoring. something about um, he's a poor man's Colacini or something like that. That's what it was. Oh, so, see, I've, I've already that, thought of more. There could have. That's been. the only tweet, and I refuse to believe it. I, but to follow on from to follow from Alex, I think Arsenal have had. I'm not really a negative person on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. 
I think I have to say that Arsenal have had the best transfer window. A plus, Alex, yeah? I think... No. I think that deadline day sign of David Luiz gets some top four, personally. I think that was the... Top three. I, th- I think that that was the missing piece of the puzzle. David yes. Luiz... David Luiz has got the... Dis- it, I, was, I was basing my entire demise of Arsenal on their defence. And with Tierney, left-back... Centre-back, left-back, centre-mid, yeah. winger. Yeah, and you've done it. And I didn't think you would get it done. And a young Brazilian. How, how on earth has David Luiz gone from being like this, this like, op- like risky defender who is not going to be your man when it comes to getting in gritty? Nah, I'm not he's, saying... He's Tom, Tom please, please, please. He's a leader. The, 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 he's Team Ginger, so he's got a back... He's we, got a back have have we just gone to a parallel... <laughs> uni- <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. How, we've just literally gone into a parallel universe where David Luiz is somehow like like Maguire going to United. I don't I understand. Oh, my, wow. <laughs> Better than Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've said that for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a, a point of comparison, Louise and Maguire. Uh, I think the Louise one's a strange one in that there doesn't seem to be any real perspective on him now. And there seems to be either everyone just slandered him and said, look, he makes a mistake every game. And then in the counter to that, there's been, no, he's a world-class defender who's won things. I think he's a very good defender whose mistakes make him look worse than he is. I don't think they're as yeah. frequent as you might think. Yeah. He's kind of, when he does make a mistake, he really does crash and burn hard. It's no, there's no hiding it. Um, I think for the sheer fact that he is better than what they've got, it's an okay signing. Not better than Socrates. No, but you've got to have someone to play with Socrates, don't you? So he's he's better than what they've got for anywhere between five to eight million, whatever it is. I know he's getting on, but you get a couple of years out of him. He could be okay. I don't know that he is going to solve the problem, but he's at, at very least, he's an okay stopgap, I would say. Yeah. And I think with the rest of their business... You could be the dick and say, look, City are already the best team. They've just got in Rodri, so therefore they've had the best window. But they didn't really have a lot to do. So I'll say Arsenal. I will say Spurs, I think, were probably second on that. But I will say Arsenal, mainly probably out of attributing that they needed to have the best window. But I think they, they the left-back slot looks sorted. The centre-back one is, I would say, okay for now, if not fully sorted. And they did need a pacey winger, and they showed a statement of intent by splashing the cash on Pepe, regardless of how it turns out. Look, I I will not deny that signing David Luiz for the fee that you did in the way that you did from the club that you did is a is a genius stroke. But held held, held in him is it like a like a Maguire signing to United or, or like Wambasaka or, or any like I I know, but he's not. Uh, he's not for me. He's not a. He's a. He's a player who's going to win you a few extra points. He ain't going to get. He ain't going to take you from being. Uh, yeah. David Luiz makes more of a change to that Arsenal uh, defence uh, than no. Maguire does to the United one. No, he does not. Absolutely not. Also, as well, all it takes. All it takes is one bad performance in a few of his early games, and he gets slated. He gifted John Terry an extra three years on his career. <laughs> I mean, Rover, look, he might not be able to get Callum Chambers out of that team. He might not be able to. We've got Rob Holdinho coming back exactly. as well. When we get that Tierney, Louise, Socrates, Bellerin back four. And then next. I would have liked to do right. How have you suddenly started liking Bellerin again? He got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> he did specify that. Next, next year, when it's uh, Tierney, Saliba, Upamakano. And Bellerin. Do you, right, you okay, all right. Do you think so? Right, so we don't do, need a right back. Do you think we got Chambers as backup? Do you oh. think do your do you think your defense is better than our defense? 
No, but I think our attacking midfield is oh, better. Right, okay. So, so it's you're fine. not com- you're not completely being childish. Better keeper. Going off last season, I'd probably say that they're level at the moment. Although some Arsenal fans apparently don't agree. It's not Arsenal fans. It's uh, I, I, I think sport I, and I, I'm saying that I'm saying that from a perspective as Loris is coming down and Leno's going up a bit. Hey, and uh, hey, Leno's in my fantasy team. He's my keeper. Who's the better drink driver then? <laughs> Marcus London. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we were going to get into some UFC and some boxing, but we've left that a bit late. So we'll make sure we get that in next week. It'll be a recap rather than a preview. So maybe saved some all. Uh, getting some picks wrong or just making sure we do do it properly rather than uh, rushing that in. Anyway, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. We'll have back next week, we'll have our uh, film and TV reviews, we'll have our breakdowns of our new teams. We'll have a whole episode dedicated to these four teams and the history of the clubs. We'll have a review of the weekend's Premier League action. We've got City Spurs, actually, which I'll have to watch on the coach back from London, which... That signal's never good. But we'll get into that and uh, everything and a bit more. So thanks again for listening. As always, if you could check us out at www.spitballingpod.com. Like, share, repost on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. And we'll be back next week. Thank you.